And boy, have we got a story for you today on this episode of The Nifty Show. I'm Joel Com, and that over there is Zach Com. Hey, Zach. Hey, how's it going? It is going quite well. Uh, now, I think I've told you about this project in the past, you being a, um, a hardcore gamer and totally into playing games for fun and producing creating games for fun, you're really going to be fascinated by our guest here. His name is Jamie Thompson. He is a friend of the show, and he is the CEO of Vulcanverse and Vulcan Forged. Jamie, welcome back to the Nifty Show, good sir. Thanks very much for having me, good sirs. Yeah, yeah. We, we have a room of good sirs. Yes, if, wonderful, wonderful. If Travis were here, we'd have a, um, um, a chief of humility, too, but he's not today, so... <laughs> Uh, I have been observing what you have done with Vulcanverse now for, uh, I think, about two years since uh, since we first worked with you in an advisory capacity. And uh, let's put on the screen, Chris, while uh, while we're talking about the um, the the um, the platform, the video that plays on here. And Jamie, if you could just give us a quick overview of what the Vulcanverse is, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So Vulcanverse is probably our biggest sort of most ambitious game. Of, I mean, Vulcan Forge itself is actually a game studio. I think we've got 13, 14 games now to our roster. I think when we first spoke to you, we only had about two or three, but we've mm-hmm. obviously sort of worked rather hard in the background. Um, the trade you're looking at now was actually made long before we even made the game. So, of course, now we've got a fully working um, fantasy metaverse. I guess you could sort of call it a sort of Minecraft meets World of Warcraft meets Sandbox, I suppose. And um, I think user count wise, we're actually we're actually the busiest metaverse. I mean, we actually have more data users than, than Sandbox and uh, Decentraland combined. But we're just, I guess, we sort of I wouldn't say we're under the yeah, we are a bit under the radar still. I mean, we sort of went the very organic route, just sort of building up from the grassroots with a small gaming studio and just expanded as we went along. Um, but yeah, so Vulcanverse is you know you can terramorph, you can explore, you can quest, you can um, you can trade, you can do all the kind of cool things that you'd want to do in a sort of a virtual metaverse. And um, yeah, I, I guess that's a, that's the best summary I could give in it without without actually playing it and sort of showing you sort of live live cuts of it. It's sort of hard to get a grasp of it. Uh, if I heard you correctly, you said that 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 is the most ambitious, largest scale game, and you have thirteen other games under the Vulcan Forge label. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, we've got like uh, this Hearthstone game called Berserk. We've got like an Auto Battler, and then we sort of slowly moved into sort of more more those kind of addictive sort of mobile games at the end of last year, like a Temple Runner style game called Vulcan Runner and Tower Defense. Because once you've got the economy down, or we think we've got the economy down, the tokenomics down, it's really a case of just sort of adding sort of games on top of it. I mean, it's a, it's a very sort of simple mechanism we have in that if you want to earn money, you you, you sort of uh, you, you pay the token, but at the end of the day, half of those tokens from everyone who gets paid in gets burned. So the whole play to earn token is sort of deflationary um, as you go on. So once we've got that sort of model sort of worked out, then it's just a case of just adding games or just people, you know, they want to play Falcon Runner for fun, play it for fun. If you want to enter a sort of 24 hour pool, then you pay a few peer or lava. You see how you get on the top 50% um, get the reward and the other 50% get nothing. So it just sort of keeps this, keeps this burning mechanism, which I think, Axie kind of sort of slipped, dropped the ball on a little bit, really, was not having enough use cases for their tokens. Um, so we, we were very lucky to sort of see their their rise and, uh, well, I wouldn't say full, they're still very strong, but they're sort of, their misgivings, as it were. 
I think tra- uh, I almost called you Travis. Zach, as you look through this list, it seems that there is a style of game that might be missing here that uh, perhaps a further conversation would uh, would ensue. But great to see the ecosystem growing so much, Jamie. And what I really want to focus on is something that I think is highly useful and instructive for the NFT community and the crypto and play to earn community. And that is you had something happen back in December that is the, you know, the worst nightmare that one could expect. Go ahead and tell us this article posted on the 14th of December of 2021. What happened? Well, it was probably about three, four in the morning. I mean, I always have my notifications on anyway throughout the night just because you never know what kind of security issues go. Um, they don't always ping, but from certain staff members, they do ping. So it was at like three, four in the morning, got this ping, and it's sort of like, okay, maybe that's a mistake. Then ping, 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 this isn't a mistake. And I was literally sort of, you know, on the way to the bathroom, check the phone, and people were, uh, someone was saying, look, 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 look at, look at this wallet. Um, and a user had said, listen, the funds have been moved out of my wallet on, on my Forge, which is our, our dashboard. So I thought, at first I thought, okay, this is a mistake. Maybe he's, um, I don't know, transferred without knowing, his family member, could be anything, it was an isolated incident. And then like a second and a third came in and one of the admins said, listen, my funds have just been moved out of my Forge. And then just, I guess this is one of those moments where just you just hit utterly in the gut as if, you know, you've heard something terrible has happened to someone you know. Um, uh, of course, it's not that dramatic, but of course, you also know your entire baby that you've spent years and blood and sweat and money and baby is just being sucked dry. So we had a look and literally on chain, we could see that um, every, the top 100 wallets, which were stored on at the time, a, a sort of semi-centralized system, were being drained one by one throughout. And, and we were watching it happen in real time. And there was absolutely nothing we could do. And it's, you know, so four or five in the morning, we were waking everyone up and uh, and uh, we, we sent a message to the community saying, listen, get your funds out onto MetaMask ASAP, do it, do it, do it. Um, but of course, by the time we'd, um, people have got out their funds and, you know, a lot of people were sleeping, um, I think it was something like, um, I don't know what it was, it was, it was 160. So about 40, uh, 4, 4 million PYR, I think, was, was taken out, which, which equated to about 160 million at the time in dollars. And then, um, obviously, as soon as they got it out, they were sending it to um, Uniswap and just dumping it and dumping it and dumping it. And so all we could do was literally just sort of keep everyone updated, literally, um, as it was happening. And I think that was probably why the community, um, I guess, didn't panic as much as they should. Because instantly we said, well, listen, we're going to pay you all back the money. um, But first, we have to sort of control the situation. There's going to be selling pressure. You'll get your money back and we'll get back on the road. But, yeah, that's how the incident happened, sort of. As it went, well, now you, you you like skimmed over that. I, I want to get further into that because you know hacks like this are not uncommon in this this wild west world that we're all operating in. But it's usually a death knell for a project. And here you are, you know, representing this thriving multi game economy. So how exactly were you able to pay them back the money? Pay the users back the money? Yeah, well, we had the circulating supply. I think was at twenty million at the time, and the whole the whole supply is fifty million. So we had the treasury. So our plan was to basically deal with the hacker at another point, for, work out how we're going to replace the funds, track the hacker, all that stuff. First thing to do is just shut everything down and pay them back the PYR from our own money, from our own treasury. So that was the key. So I think that within a day we had refunded everyone their PYR. So they had the choice to sell there and then if they wanted to. We just thought that was the first thing to do. Forget the treasury, forget the tokenomics, just refund their PYR and go for it. So it was just from our own treasury we did that. 
Um, and then we started to look into it more and more. And um, and uh, I think one of the, there, there were two big mistakes after that, which made it even worse. The, the second one was was our own fault. We announced a snapshot was going to happen, um, where uh, you know uh, whatever P P Y R you've got in your wallet, you'll get the the new peer. We were forking the contract to get the new peer back. Now, obviously, that was one of the most stupid mistakes ever because the hackers obviously read that. I thought, well, listen, I've got a limit. I've got like a day or two now before they replace the PYR. I'm going to dump a hell of a load more. So he dumped a load more, and we sort of, which killed the price. But then the third thing, which was a real kicker, and, and there's nothing much we could do about this. It wasn't our fault at all, was that Binance obviously closed the, the withdrawals and deposits. However, there was a loophole where people could still, um, by this time, the old, old PYR had dumped to zero because it was worth nothing. So we all the exchanges are sort of retained value for the new PYR. But there was a loophole that people could still send in the old PYR to Binance where it was trading at $20, $25. So there was people were just buying the old PYR for like zero cents, sending it into Binance and just sort of dumping it at $20 or whatever. And I was waking up the guys at Binance. I was saying, listen, this is happening. And no, it's not. It's not. I said, yes, it is. You can look at, look at the scan. It's happening. And so that, so even though we swapped the token and, and locked the hacker out of 3 million of the 4 million tokens he stole, we, another million of those tokens were dumped onto Binance to make us, you know, sort of only sort of recover half of the, um, to stop, you know, half of the damage as it were. Mm. But um, yeah. What, what I uh, really appreciate is from the very beginning, you were incredibly transparent. If you guys aren't following at Vulcan Forged on Twitter, this is where Jamie and the team tweet regularly about exactly what's happening in the ecosystem. Um, so did, um, did you ever catch the, information on the the hacker no i mean we had we had i think two we had two um high security servers people scan the servers and we had uh, a couple of uh DeFi, some of the biggest DeFi sort of trace uh, DeFi hacking crypto hacking people trace them and the, the whole thing they said was that we know how they did it but they 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 cover their steps so immaculately that they they even hacked one of the wallets in order to use that for the gas to initiate the first hack what had happened is because we use we use essential we did anyway use the centralized sort of system of um, of Venly uh, Arcane whatever it is um, where you, we can export the wallets our end from the server because we need to do that way our marketplace transactions would happen um, but you couldn't so they got access to the server through one of the side games fine they've got the access to the wallets and the export of the wallet however to export a wallet you need to Google two FA so we thought okay that's fine but then there was this two FA hack which also crypto.com suffered from where they gave out codes to everyone with just a username with a number at the end of it so they could just adjust the number each time for each username so they had all the users to fa all the users export api and then they waited and they just and, and they they struck emptied it all put it all onto um onto uni and quickswap and then they waited and they sat on it for about four or five months and i think it was only last month they started sending it to this um tornado cash thing or something where where it doesn't get tracked or whatever. But um, yeah, there was unfortunately no no recovery. But what what allowed you to to bring the economy back sort of after the dust settled? Because, you know, you, you had to take all these steps at, while you were hunting down the hacker and you were incentivizing the community to, to hunt them down, while you were refunding out of the, the treasury that, that Vulcan Forged had, 
obviously, you know, that, that was going to be a huge negative sentiment around the currency with that happening, people losing faith in, in the value of it, and then the value just straight up decreasing. How were you able to bring it back? Yeah, well, I think that, I think the first key was that not only did we refund the PYR, which is easy, we also refund because the guy or girl, whatever, stole a lot of um, so Matic, ETH, USDT from these wallets. We did replace all of those out of our own pocket. So we did lose a million dollars of our own money, about 800,000 or something, just to pay them back. So that was the first thing to say, okay, these guys just aren't going to disappear after the hack, which we could have, and a lot of companies have by those things. Mm-hmm. And then it was just a lot of, I always make the joke about the um, the information minister in the Iraq war, who was just like there at the... Uh, the TV cameras saying, no, the Americans aren't evading. They're not here. And you can see these tanks rolling in in the background, you know, (laughs) this is an utter denial. So we had to put a brave face on that saying, listen, we're not going anywhere. This is going to be fine. We carry on building and we were carrying on building, but all we could do is just update the truth um, and consistently and frequently. And we got a lot of compliments about this, but because, but we didn't realize that wasn't the norm. As I said, we're not a crypto company, really. So we, we just assume, of course, you're going to refund people if they get hacked. We didn't know that people get hacked and they run away. But I just couldn't, I couldn't number one, I couldn't sleep with myself. Number two, the company would be dead. Um, it, it was horrific. I you know, It was a ruined Christmas. But um, all we carried on doing was, was carry on building. And it was important for the users to see that we carried on building. Okay, there was a couple of a week or two of just reassurances and, you know, sort of tweet to say everything's okay when maybe it wasn't. But we kept we kept putting things out ASAP so people knew we're not going anywhere. And we weren't and we're not. And um, and we've got through the worst of it, um, really. I mean, we, I remember Bitcoin was uh, at 70K last year and we were only at $3. You know, Bitcoin's at... 40k now and we're back up to 13 and I, and I think a lot of people not forgotten but i think they've forgiven at least and they know we're we readjust our security and we're back on the back on the road well you built an amazing amount of trust and like i said i've watched this and i was messaging you as you were doing it you know you were, yeah recognizing you. Uh, that you know this is this is really professional and yeah during the um the the late run of last year you know um pyre got up to 44 45 dollars and you know even now with the markets down um this is pretty strong for you know a platform that has been hacked and stolen this mm. indicates to me a lot of faith and you know full disclosure we have been working with you guys for a couple mm. of years now i hold pyre so i believe travis does as well i play the game i actually i was going to pull it up here and and uh, just walk through the world a little bit but it's updating so i can't do it right now while we're doing this but i'm in the game i'm i think i've got close to seven thousand xp oh impressive impressive close to unlocking you know my lava so maybe uh, let's shift from um the the hack here in the the last bit and talk a little bit about particular the the vulcan forged uh, the the verse experience and this new token that's earning because one's a governance token and one's the earn token right right for sure yeah so pyr is your standard sediment token you use it to stake and buy things and put in land and lava is, I guess, our equivalent of SLP. And as, as I said before, we sort of we learn from a, a few mistakes to sort of make sure that there's a minimum amount generated every day. We don't just pump it out infinite-wise. You have to sort of earn a limited amount, a, a, a specific amount of X, XP before you can withdraw the lava. And there's multiple use cases for lava. So this keeps the value of lava sustainable. Um, and of course, we've got our own blockchain, Lithium, coming, where lava is going to be the gas for the 
the blockchain. So there'll always be a constant demand for lava, which I think is, you know, it's it, it's it's not actually the you know, brightest idea. It's a pretty pretty simple thing to implement. But um, I guess I said we've learned from from other mistakes so yeah so that's where we are and um vulcanverse i mean it's only been in development really for eight nine months vulcanverse so a lot of people come in and go oh this isn't world of warcraft yet this isn't that and the other well no it's not i mean the 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 land forming the terramorphing tool of it itself separated from minecraft i mean it's one of the best assets but um it, it's funny i always talk about on these interviews like how hard it is to sort of combine the idea of the concept of play to earn and gaming and I still don't believe they're they're a match made in heaven. And I think they're very opposing forces of the of the human psyche and and the technical implementation. Um, the minute you stick in earnings, it, it becomes a very different world for people. And you, and you've got two choices. And, and you, you put a good game in it. People don't care about earnings. So you've got, you've got to come in and say, listen, people are in Vulcanverse to earn, or are they in there to gain? Because the minute you put real money in there, you'll find people don't care about the gaming so much. So we're kind of embracing that a little bit more now. In fact, yes, yeah, Vulcanverse is an open world economy, but let's make it fun in doing so. So you can you can go to a bank where a goblin trades with you and you can stake things in, a, in the treasury and you can find chests and open them and you can fish for NFTs. Um, but yeah, it's a very sort of hard square to circle, um, those two different concepts, but we are trying. It, that has been the number one issue that every single play to earn property is facing because they're trying to just jam an investment mentality and a gaming mentality together and those are two mutually exclusive different groups of people absolutely that they're trying to marry and it's it seems like the direction that things are going as as the space is maturing is you can have that product but then you have features that are dedicated towards that investment mentality. And then you have other features that are dedicated towards the gaming mentality. And it sounds like that's that's what you're sort of getting at here. Exactly. Yes. I mean, we had a big thing about, you know, because the Vulcanite fighting system right now, you know, it's, it's, it's not incredibly good. And we're thinking, well, OK, let's change the Vulcanite fighting system to be a bit more like you step out into arena and you strategize and you make it a thing. And we thought, well, no, that that's. That's not what people want. Let's be honest. 90% of the ring that are there, they're just fighting to win a bit of XP. So let's just take advantage of that and say, okay, let's just make it visually more appealing. It doesn't have to be some complex strategy game. There are other games that can do that. Um, quests are fun, but and um, they're, but, but they're only going to do them if they're motivated to win XP and win lava. So I, I think that was the, 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 the light bulb moment for me, is that you don't have to marry the two. You're not going to marry the two. It's why a lot of crypto games are so crap because, you know, people just care about the earnings. They can get away with lack of gameplay. And that's why the gamers don't really embrace the NFTs and, and crypto because they have the most incredible AAA studio games where they play for enjoyment. And I bet you if you stuck in earning into Fortnite or any of the bigger games out there, the whole energy and dynamic would change. And then I think a lot of the enjoyment for the children and the adults, it, 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 would, it would destroy the model. So I don't know if Play to Earn is, is here um, is, is a competitor to, to gaming yet. Um, gaming is a four billion market. Play to earn is very new infancy, and I don't know if it's been proven. I think what is for sure is that there's this third demographic emerging now of um, the idea of ownership and um, and being in a, a, a virtual economy within a game, and that is new and it's fascinating. And a lot of people who play Vulcanverse weren't gamers. They're not crypto people. It's a whole. It's older people. It's younger people. It's it's not the usual gaming crowd or crypto crowd. 
So I think that's the demographic we're focusing on um, because owning something is really, really cool. I mean, that NFT thing is is a real, real thing. Um, you know, we built the Vulcanverse around people in alpha where like wigs were coming off avatars and walls were stuck in grass and it was all over the shop. But people didn't care because they own that wolf and they own that sword. And that emotional attachment to assets is something you won't get in, in, in normal games. So, yeah, if we can take advantage of that and push it forward, I think, onto a winner. Uh, Joel, you're muted. So I am. Uh, Rufus decided to bark, so I, I muted. He saw some golfers out back and wanted to let the world know they were on his golf course. Uh, so as we close out here, you are getting ready to uh, do an event here in Athens. How appropriate. Talk briefly about what um, Volcon 2 is. Absolutely. I and mean, you guys are very much invited. It, it, we've got only 50 tickets left. There's 500 capacity. It's absolutely mm-hmm. rammed. We've got the Zapion, which is an enormous Vulcan City looking hall. We've gone all out on this. You know, we've got holograms, light shows, the Olympic drummers from the Greek Olympics are there. We've got 10 speakers from, you know, coming in from all the different projects coming to Elysium. It's a real, real good event. And obviously it's costing us a hell of, hell of a lot. But I think it's great to sort of show we're here, we're back. Put the brand, you know, get some good marketing out of it, a bit of brand awareness and show, you know, this is the way where we're going. Um, but if you guys would love to join and um, um, you'll be more than welcome. There's, there's a few VIP passes. I'm sure I could swing your way. Well, appreciate that. That's very uh, generous of you. I think, is it, uh, isn't this the same time that uh, NFT NYC is taking place, though? I think in New York. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. I think so. I think we're, we're speaking there, but appreciate the gracious invite and appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing with us. I, I just know, I, you know, as people on the show have heard me say many times, I tend to look at this industry from the future, looking back and yeah, you seeing the to, track you record. Yeah. You, you do. And we've got to stop these whole sort of um, superlatives of saying, oh, we're the, we're the biggest, we're, we're a com- competitor to the gaming industry. Let's be honest, it's all new and no one really knows what they're doing at this stage. Mm. Well, we're figuring it out. Jamie, thanks again. And uh, hang out for a second there in the green room. Uh, Zach, impressive stuff, huh? Uh, yes, and especially the insights that he's supplying about the sorts of demographics um, that are participating in play to earn in, in what play to earn really means on the grander stage of digital entertainment and the new standard for asset ownership. Well, there you go, gang. Check it out for yourself. Vulcanverse.com. Vulcanforged.com is the place to go. We will catch you on the next episode. And until then, keep it nifty. Looking into the future, what do we see? It's lined with digital collectibles, we call them NFTs. Games, trading cards, digital art, and those crypto kitties. Joel and Zach are the hosts you'll know. Joel and Zach say this will blow. They're locked and loaded, so ready, set, go. It's the Nifty, really kind of spiffy. The Nifty Show.